everyone, I'm Madeline Park, a stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. So this is Style Stories, a collection of conversations with creative people who have a strong sense of style. I sit on my couch with old and new peers and discover how their fashion choices have shaped and been shaped by their family, friends and careers. Together, we tell their style story. Today, I'm chatting to Amanda Bartis, executive editor of recently launched lifestyle and entertainment website, The Latch. Amanda and I met many moons ago when I interviewed her to be my assistant. I knew immediately she was a fashion triple threat, smart, ambitious, stylish. But she was also kooky and kind, and I knew she needed to be mine. In keeping with her love of 90s popular culture and her ability to apply a tomboyish undone edge to any outfit, Amanda is styled in a Maggie Marilyn midi skirt, Mariam Nazir Zadeh wedges and a vintage Hawaiian shirt from a curated collection available at madelinepark.co. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Amanda's story. Thanks for coming to see me today. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Um, We'll jump straight into it and go back to the past. And what I want to ask you to start off with is what is your first memory of a relationship to fashion? Hmm. I guess it dates back to being a really, really young child. I did dancing from when I was three years old yeah so I think my first introduction was being excited about my costumes from a really young age and being part of that process and looking at what we were all wearing as a dancing troupe and what kind of dance was it I did everything tap ballet jazz modern dance until I was 18 um this no sorry 17 so it was always a part of my life but yeah really from when I was three years old so that was probably my first real introduction to style and how it can help bring a story to life um and how it can yeah bring a story to life and then from there my mum would always go out Mm on the weekend and I just loved the process of watching her get ready for wherever she was going she was big on events always in a gown Mm. always had and still has a really strong appreciation for fashion which I think rubbed off onto me from a young age so I loved um and she brought me into those conversations when she was help trying to decide what to wear and she would say what do you think about this top with these pants and I would be giving my input from yeah a really young age um but it wasn't just from wasn't just fashion it would be interiors and how things looked in the house and I've always had a really strong I guess appreciation for aesthetics and design and style and how things look and colors that go together and textures and yeah Yeah. so going back to the dance outfits Mm -hmm. Are there some particular standouts like that you mm. loved or hated? That having done dance myself, yeah. I remember that there was some costumes that I absolutely loved. 
I loved all of our ballet costumes with the um, the texture of the tulle yeah. that would be in the skirt, whatever we'd be wearing. I loved that. I loved, like I was a big fan of the sequins. I remember we had one costume where we were doing, it was, it was like a, I think the song was like, that Ariel, Mary, uh, Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid, yeah. Um, so we were dressed as mermaids. So we had like these amazing green sequin fishtail skirts, and <laughs> obviously we were like seven years old, so we weren't going to wear bras. Yeah. But we had um, our own version of what the top was, and it was like a shell top. And yeah, I think those memories really stuck with me yeah. from a really young age, and just being part of that process with all of us deciding what the costume would be and I would always be really excited about getting to the end of the year, having our big like end of year concert and helping like put together what our costumes looked like and yeah. So for for you like fashion came as a kind of symbol of performance from yeah. a really young from age. From a young age. Yeah. And I think as well it was also I was really shy as a kid. Mm. I still am pretty shy until yeah. I get to know someone. But I think what I really enjoyed was that it was my own little thing that I could just do for myself, like put my outfits together in the morning. I don't know, it gave me a sense of control and I've always been, as you know, a bit of a control freak. (laughs) Um, So what I'm finding funny about this is that when I think about your style and knowing you, I think of you as being a tomboy and yet the first place that you kind of remember is sequins and tutus. I know, and isn't sure. it so fascinating? But, yeah, that's obviously, like, not who I am now. It's definitely evolved and I'm very much a uniform dresser and I just have... When do you think that flipped, like... As a teenager, when no, do you... Do I think really in the last couple of years because I, until really recently, I think that I was very much driven by trends and seeing what was like cool in inverted commas. Um, but I think really in the last like probably five or six years, I've just worked out what works for me. I really don't deviate from that. I'm always in jeans always in a t-shirt or a singlet and always in some kind of midi skirt or like slip dress yeah and really that's all I buy when did you though make that transition from wanting to do the girly performance kind of fashion being attracted to the sparkly things Mm -hmm. to I feel like it's always been in you from Mm -hmm. the minute I've known you anyway I guess that's my point and Mm -hmm. so did 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 you start to explore that when you were a teenager? Mm, I've always been, I guess, I would experiment with my style and I've always been drawn to, like, colours and sequins and feathers. Like, fuck, I love feathers. Oh, whoops, I swore. It's all right. <laughs> I'll start again. You're not um, here to swear. You know yeah. I swear all the time. <laughs> I've always been drawn to like colors and sequins and feathers, which I love, but it doesn't seem realistic in my everyday life to wear that. It just doesn't suit what I do. I'm always like on the go and doing things and it just doesn't suit my everyday life, which is I think why I was drawn to a career that started in fashion where I could have the excuse to play with those textures and colors and, and, 
have an excuse yeah to use it in my work but um in terms of what I personally wear I don't I'm not averse to whipping out a piece like that now and then I remember at my year 10 formal and no you Year 10? Yeah, year 10. The green slip dress? Yeah, I wore a lime green <laughs> slip dress that had like sequins that went down one panel and then it broke out into like a tool fishtail. It was like... Which I, can I t- say when you just referenced the Little Mermaid, had, knowing the image that you're talking about because it was sitting on your desk when we used yeah. to work at NW <laughs> together, um, that photo of you was sitting on your desk for pretty much the whole three years that we were and together. And I still have it on my phone and look at it all the time because it's so funny. The <laughs> irony of the fact that it you start, like your one of your outfits that you remember from being a kid in yeah. your performance is as a little mermaid immediately I was like, oh my God, it's her year... 10 or 12 formal (laughs) formal dress. Still attracted to those pieces, But see, when we've discussed that formal dress, I remember you telling me you didn't even pick that out, right? Like, wasn't it like a friend's, your mum's friend's dress? mum and I had gone to the QVB because I think that back then, like, that's just where you went to do your formal dress shopping. It's obviously wildly different now. But we went to... Yeah, the QVB, can't remember what the store was called. Maybe Valoni? Oh, yeah. And my mum actually pulled it out and was like, what about this? And it was like the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it was like expensive for back then for anything that I would have in my wardrobe. And I just knew that I had to wear that right. dress. So somehow we made it happen. I think um, my mum, like her love of fashion she saw that in me and she would um get my dad on board because dad was like what that much for a dress that's (laughs) fucking insane but my mum really appreciated that I was quite passionate about clothes and like how they made me feel and all of that so eventually the dress came home with me a few weeks later and I had it like hanging on my door and I would just stare at it like every day being like I can't wait to fucking wear that dress and yeah, then I got to wear it at my school formal. It was like the greatest night of my life and I wish I still had it. I would definitely you wear it again. That? I've got no idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's still at home at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to your mum. Yeah. Your mum's quite a big personality, right? Yeah. Tell like, tell me about some of... I remember you telling me some stories about some of the stuff she's done, but she's like this amazing powerhouse mm-hmm. is what I know. Um, but she's also done like so many different things, things. Yeah. so tell me I guess more about that like wow she I don't even know where to start very much she moves from one thing to the next I think she gets bored really quickly so in her career she's worked in everything from the medical industry to marketing she's been she launched her own water brand um which didn't she, she run for import- local yeah, Palmer. she was the mayoress of um, a local council. She works very heavily in the Greek community. Um, she fundraises. She donates her time as a volunteer. Yeah, she's always, um, yeah, moves from one thing to the next. But it's always kind of with, like, a fundraising, marketing kind of eye. Yeah. I've never met her, Mm. but I've heard so much about your mum. And I imagine that she's, like, quite a big personality, you know, like, as I said, a real powerhouse. Yeah. 
how was that for you as a kind of kid growing up in terms of like having such a strong um motivated mm. like driven mum like yeah. how, how do you think that kind of affected you yeah I think that um mum has always pushed me and motivated me to follow what my passion is mm. I never had any pressure at home from my parents to pursue any sort and any certain path they've always been very much like do whatever you want and we'll support you um, my dad is a builder so he's very much the academic of the family mm. in terms of like like mathematics and like that kind of work but um my brother and I have always been more creative and so has my mum so I guess we followed more her path and direction but both my parents have always really supported whatever we decide whatever path we chose to pursue um I've got some things that I'm working on myself which are completely away from fashion and when I approached my parents and said this is what I'm doing next again they both were like 100% we support you we think it's really interesting that you're continuing to evolve what you do and not staying stagnant yeah you Mm -hmm. never have though I guess like your (laughs) mum I guess I guess that's an interesting point I never thought of it but I'm 10 years, just over 10 years into my career and it has seen so far in such a short period of time so many different iterations. Yeah. We'll get back to that. Going back to your mum, mm-hmm. how would you... So, and and going back to the idea that, you know, you kind of looked at her as a, um, you know, a, an icon of style for you as a, as a little girl, as a lot of little girls do to their mums, how would you describe your mum's sense of style? Um... When I was growing up, mum's style was very different. I guess it your style changes as you get older. But she very much was, like me back then, a uniform dresser. So mum would always be in, like, a chic turtleneck and jeans and boots in winter. Like, always that was her uniform. And she'd always have, like, a bag. So it would either be whatever like the it bag was mum would Mm. just have the bag she didn't really care so much about shoes it would just be like yeah black boots like very much uniform but as and then her summer style would be like a singlet with the jeans and then the sandals or the heels always in heels yeah always in heels boots even to go like grocery shopping even to catch a 24-hour flight mum would be in heels right it's insane yeah I Um, imagine she's quite a like even though what you're describing sounds quite relaxed, I've always imagined her to no, be it's so glamorous. dressed up, always you know, glamorous. like makeup, yeah. hair perfect. Even if she's wearing like done. jeans and a turtleneck, it would always be like with perf- perfect hair, perfect makeup, and you, always a You pair know of who heels. I imagine her like? Um, Bella and Gigi Hadid's mum. Yeah, I guess a bit like Yolanda. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then as she's gotten older, her style has changed and she's definitely. Um, wearing more dresses and or she had a period where she wore like you know those um victoria beckham structured dresses right. the three quarter yeah. like panel dresses yeah had a face for about five years right yeah. that's all she wore yeah and now she's moved into more i guess feminine pieces where she's wearing like a softer floral now and then and floatier dresses but again the consistency is always with a pair of heels, always with like whatever the bag is at yeah. the moment and with the hair and makeup done. Okay, so there is obviously some links to you but there's a departure there, right? Because you wear sandals that are heels but 
most of the time you're in, in like a flat boot or sneaker. Yeah. That like in the ten years I've known you, yeah. pretty much like the heel that you're wearing like today a, is, times a year. <laughs> is as good as it gets. Yeah. And to be honest, like when I've styled you today, I kind of was like if she's wearing a sandal, it's like some kind of mule, some kind of wedge, and it has a '90s throwback. Yeah. But. Going back to your sense of style and where it departs from your mum, you kind of have this uniform thing. You've got the denim, the, the kind of static, mm-hmm. kind of those pieces. But as I said, I, I remember you posting something on Instagram a, a couple of years ago and someone had bought for your birthday a wallet and it was come de garçon. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's so Amanda. <laughs> like one of the boys. I, like it is like exactly yeah. you because you've got a lot of male friends. Like you've always had mm. a lot of male mates. Yeah. Um, and you are like you always have worn like feminine pieces, but there is a touch of tomboy into the way you've worn them. Yeah. Again, like you might not see my it from a young thinks, age. My husband thinks that I dress like I'm in a heavy metal rock band. <laughs> That's how he, if, if someone's. I just him, feel like you dress describe? like you're in a 90s sitcom. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rachel Green is my idol. <laughs> but if someone was to pull Jason aside and say, how would you describe Mandy's style? He would say, like, she's a heavy metal rocker. Yeah. So yeah. When, when did the, that kind of. Do you think as a teenager, some of that desire to be comfortable or, yeah, you know, I don't know to. Where that comes from. I think. Um, I think I'm heavily influenced. Like, I still watch Friends every single day. I'm probably heavily influenced by that without even realising it. I definitely dress for comfort. <laughs> but are you more Joey Triviani <laughs> than Rachel Green? I mean, if you or go like back you and kind watch, of fuse them together. I think I'm, a, I'm definitely a mixture of all. Like, I definitely wear an oversized shirt like Chandler very often. Um, Hence your choice of that shirt today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I. Um, I don't know where it comes from. I think comfort more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's part of maybe a little bit more of the introvert in yeah. you, just wanting to be a bit more laid back? Yeah, I like to hide behind the baggy clothes. It I've did... never really, like... My husband's oh. like, why don't you wear, like, a tight top now and then? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I like the baggy T-shirts and shirts that I wear. From from those of you who wouldn't have seen um, Mandy in tight clothes, she's got a banging body. <laughs> and uh, we were just saying before um, when she was my assistant, I used to get her to try things on. And um, I remember the day I got her to put a bandage dress on uh, way back then and going, whoa, that's one body. <laughs> but it's always that hidden. That was a decade it's, ago. I think things have changed. No, I think then. they're exactly the same. <laughs> um, do you think, okay, so just probing into this, do you think that that kind of the, the relaxed, more boyish break into your ongoing style was a way of kind of differentiating from your mum? Or do you think it was more a a way of like almost hiding your, you, yourself I don't know I think it was it was just a um natural progression for me from what I like I've always just been like jeans and t-shirt maybe when I was younger the 
pieces that I wore were a bit tighter but as I got older I definitely just lent more into the comfort aspect and it's so great that that's what so many designers are producing now so it works really well for me and what I like to wear and I guess when I discovered the brand basic like I don't know when it first launched I was like wow this really speaks to me yeah it's um exactly what I want to wear back then it was like loose jersey pieces and I've really just evolved with that brand has always been the consistent in my wardrobe yeah um yeah for the last like I'd say the last decade when you when I met you when you were like in your early 20s did you you did love Sassenby didn't you I've only ever had about two or three pieces. Do you know what? There. It's that you were wearing, wearing that, that the first time yeah. I met you. That <laughs> long orange shirt yeah. dress thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's where I'm getting that from. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into Mandy and your career. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners, Mandy was interning for NW Magazine when I first met you. Mm-hmm. And I was the fashion editor and you interviewed for the fashion assistant role Mm -hmm. and then we were basically um, attached at the hip for like two years until I got pregnant. Um, Talk, because your career, whilst it's all been in the media industry, it has been quite diverse Mm -hmm. and it has been, you've always kind of taken on roles that are probably more at the cutting edge of what is going on. Uh, at the time and obviously in the last 10 years things have changed and moved so quickly mm-hmm. so do you want to just yeah. give a run through that yeah I guess when I I did a media and communications degree mm. and when I was at uni I knew I wanted to work in media and I loved fashion so that's what I wanted to pursue mm. so I tried so many times to get internships at different magazines and um yeah it was always met with the same response like where we we just don't have capacity for any more interns and maybe in three years and I was like fuck I can't wait three years for an internship but anyway I um I didn't let that deter me and I interned I knew I wanted to work in media didn't know what medium I wanted to work in so I I interned where I could find the opportunities. So I went to radio, TV, um, and then eventually I was able to land an internship at NW Magazine, which was amazing because I loved that magazine in high school Mm. so much. So um, I interned for a while and then eventually the role came up and I went for it and thank you, you gave me my start. (laughs) Um, And then I moved from that role into the fashion editor role for a year or two which was amazing and from there I went to shop till you drop when it turned into a fortnightly magazine so Mm. I was on the team that helped um relaunch it for fortnightly and the role that I went into I think was quite interesting for that time yeah it was for a section of the magazine that was launching called shop the collection and so I was the editor of that section and the ambition for that was to pull all of their advertorials and branded content into one section and have it feel like it was editorial. Mm. Back then, I don't think that there were any other publications that were thinking about sponsored content and advertorials in that way. We're housing it all together as its own kind of entity. 
And it was almost a bit early, wasn't it? Yeah. So I went there for that role and unfortunately, I, un, from my understanding, the commercial team were challenged in selling that concept. And so my role was made redundant six months in. And it was a week before Christmas, which was actually perfect timing because then it meant that I could take stock and really take a break and have a summer holiday and figure out what the next stop was. And my, I remember my dad saying to me, like, this is amazing because people typically get made redundant twice in their career. For you, it's happened, like, quite early. So mm. take the money, have a holiday and figure out what's next. And so I thought from there... I freelanced for a year, styling and writing for numerous publications. I went to Channel 7 and styled um, Kelly? Kylie and oh. Larry for the morning show and did a bunch of things like that. And while I was doing that, I was taking stock, figuring out what, figuring out what I wanted my next step to be. And I knew I wanted it to be in digital, but I didn't have the skill set at that point to apply for digital jobs and I didn't want to apply for them and be knocked back and then kind of ruin that, any that's opportunity. That's still a decent while ago, right? Yeah, this like, was in 2014. Yeah. I knew that I didn't have the skills. So before I went for a media role in a media position in one of those um, in a media business, I applied for a role at the Centre Group, which is Westfield, for a digital role because I thought I can hone my skills at a retailer where the pace isn't as fast as a media brand. Mm. And so that was an amazing opportunity and I was there for um, 10 years, 10 years, 10 months (laughs) before um, Alison Rice and I got in touch about who, what, where. So that was launching in the Australian market and so I moved from at that point I was so happy that I had done that time at Westfield because it really taught me about um, digital and social and writing for the internet and from there I moved to Who What Where and I was on the launch team for Who What Where Birdie in my domain in this market Mm. which was the greatest experience I've ever had in terms of my career, I have I learned so much in those early years yeah. about building a brand and launching a brand and digital strategy and social strategy and the access that we had um, to our US team and what we learned from them as well as all the other people, the great brains within the Allure business, I think is really what gave me um, the biggest learning in my career yeah um what would you say is like one of like one or a few major learning points mm. especially from the u.s yeah with those big brands what would you say like the most significant kind of learning points for you from that experience staying tight on what your brand is and your brand guidelines so not diluting your message and figuring out exactly what it is you stand for and standing by what that is. Mm-hmm. So rather than just rather than saying, okay, this is what it is that we cover as a brand and what we stand for and staying consistent with that. There were so many opportunities where we could have grabbed traffic because we knew it was performing, certain topics were performing for other publishers, but we didn't go down that path and we stayed true to what we were and we really valued our core and loyal audience for, versus chasing 
a really big number. Mm. And so I still stand by that today. I think that's more valuable than reaching a mass audience. I think that you can have a much greater impact speaking to a defined and niche audience and that's how you can drive real impact and change. So those things are quite strategic. What what would you say in terms of that, that role or those experiences with such a large organisation, um, with large digital organisation, what was your creative input in those roles? Um, yeah, it was... It was it was such a unique role because it really became an extension of us and the team. Mm. When I say us, I mean myself and my colleagues. We really built it around what we loved creatively. Which was what? How would you define that? I guess it all it all came from what our own personal taste and style was, but we knew that we had to be passionate about what we were writing about and what we were putting out there creatively for other people to see that passion and also jump on board. And we knew that there were, like what we were putting out creatively wasn't like so out there that no one else would could relate to it. Relate yeah. to it. it was um, very relatable and um, a really nice mix of high and low and just really the way that us as everyday women would shop and that's what we wanted to the way we wanted to speak to our audience we wanted to speak to our audience like we were sitting down and having a chat with one of our best friends so do you have any favorite kind of or pieces or the the kind of that you're like particularly proud of from that time stories that I wrote yeah we oh gosh there's so many um what about the ones that speak to you personally yeah the most? I would every month write an editor's letter and it would kind of be about the broader theme of what the month was. So when we would plan our content, everything would be around a broader theme or issue. And I really loved those editor's letters because it gave me the opportunity to really speak about what was on my mind, but always bringing it back to style and the substance there. Yeah. Um, and linking those together. And we ran a whole bunch of initiatives that I'm really proud of, but... I guess from the early days, I was really proud of the stories that we wrote, kind of championing new Australian brands and finding those young labels on Instagram and social and giving them a platform that they might not have otherwise had access to. So I'm really proud of those stories that we wrote in the really early days. And that's something that I was really passionate about my whole time there, just really finding and unearthing those brands and giving them a voice. So were there any... Uh, particular brands or designers that you felt like from the onset you got to build mm-hmm. a strong relationship with and in so helped build their brand? There's a few that come to mind that I kind of supported from the very early infancies of their brands and I'm still a huge supporter today. And some that come to mind... Like Holly Ryan, I loved from the very beginning and always championed her brand and I've interviewed her numerous times for for Who What Wear and wrote about the brand and I still wear it today all the time. Yeah. Another one is Natalie Marie, which I also wrote about in the really early stages of her brand and it's so special to me. I had 
my mum gave me her wedding ring and her engagement ring and I took those um, stones to Natalie Marie and she reworked those for me as Mm a it ended up being a wedding gift from my parents so that brand is a relationship that I forged through work but now it's really special incredibly personal yeah Yeah. and she's helped me create well Natalie has helped me create a family heirloom which Mm. like I'll treasure forever and I wear two of her pieces every single day I don't take them off I sleep in them I work out in them I yeah they never leave my body so I think that's quite a powerful connection that I made through work another brand is um Casey Devlin she's a um she's a designer that she recently closed her label after I can't remember how many years but again like I've supported her from the start and Mm. then supported her with an amazing interview when she decided to move on from her brand and take stock and decide what she wants to do next but you guys partnered with her a lot though through your years at who what we're yeah we we supported her brand a lot and i support her new collection launches and I just really believed in what she was doing sustainability was at the forefront of her design and she didn't use any like fastenings and clips because often she would find that people would lose a button and then they'd throw their throw it out whatever it was and it would end up in landfill so she had she had the idea what if we took that away and had used like clever design and ties so then that was never an excuse to throw a piece away. So they would stay with you as your body changed and you could hold on to those pieces for longer. And and her style was lots of like silks and yeah. loose slip dresses. Yeah. So you probably had oh, a I've very got, personal alignment yeah, too. It very much suited my personal style and I've got so many of her pieces in my wardrobe which I treasure and I've worn them for some special occasions in my own life. So yeah. they'll always be, like, quite memorable Part to me. Kind of photo yeah. album. Yeah. And then the another brand that comes to mind is Sarah Donaldson of The Undone when she launched her online store. I'll just stop you because I remember, so 10 years ago when we were working together, I, being 10 years older than you, I was a little less... Um, au fait with things like a blog mm-hmm. in like t- 2011 and I remember like relying on you for so much of that <laughs> like cutting edge information and and we met Sarah and Sarah was so young and you were like oh my god that's the Harper and Harley girl and you being like all fangirling with her oh. way back then um, I well, yeah and I've been lucky to forge a really nice friendship with her through yeah. work over the years and so on who what where we wrote about her online store and interviewed um her for that launch and i we supported it on the site oh gosh so many times Mm. but then personally i shop from there all the time as well and i bought pieces from her site that i wore at really special occasions i wore a dress from there to my engagement party i bought a whole bunch of things from there to take overseas for when i got married so it's, yeah, a really nice example those, of another brand that has entered my personal life and is quite special to me. And, and she's kind of known for those minimalist, neutral, kind of relaxed, shaped 
yeah. pieces which are very much aligned to yeah. how you dress. Yeah, I grew up um, my personal life, like at home we had, I guess, quite a Greek upbringing. I would speak Greek to my grandparents. We'd eat heaps of Greek food at home. We'd always go <laughs> to Greece on holidays and I still pretty much only go to Greece, <laughs> Greece on holidays. <laughs> Nothing's changed there. I definitely need to go and explore different places, but it's just so fun. I know. <laughs> I just love the lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I had a very, I guess I had quite a Greek upbringing and in terms of, I don't think it's really impacted my style. Like I'm not, I don't wear a lot of blue and I don't wear the blue eye. But, but you do wear... I wear a lot of gold, gold. jewellery. And I feel like there is a Greek peasant that <laughs> that comes to you. So the other piece of yeah. vintage clothing that you could have chosen to wear yeah. is like a throwback to a Greek peasant on an island, you know, slapping coins. an octopus. Or, and I, I do wear, like, I have a, a bunch of gold... Um, you wear a lot of coin necklaces that I wear from Greece, and yeah, yeah, I have a lot of my jewelry that I have is actually from there that I wear, and it's quite special to me. But um, I guess the way it impacts and influences my style is when I go there every year or two. I very much like a lot of the pieces in my wardrobe are made for my holidays, so it's very much like long flowy dresses. I buy a lot from Albus Lumen and Mateau mm. um, for those holidays and that's kind of the pieces that I live in when I'm overseas visiting my family or drinking a margarita on the beach. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Okay, so tell us, you've just, you've just started a new job. Mm-hmm. Give us a rundown on what yeah. that's, that's... Yeah, so I've just started a new job. It's at... It's really interesting. It's at a Val Morgan. They're launching or they have launched a digital division. And so I've gone over to that business to help launch a new website called The Latch. And so what my role is, is to help determine the editorial strategy and the audience development strategy and the direction and vision for that brand. Mm. And so when I look at my career to date, everything that I've done so far has really given me the tools I need to succeed in this role. And what we, well, what was before I joined, they had determined and identified a gap in the market for 30 to 45 year olds for gender neutral content. So where we exist to bridge that gap and my ambition for the content is for it to be smart, um, no fluff, no clickbait, no hyperbole. We want people to read a story and learn something from it and go away and have dinner or a drink with their friends and tell them something interesting they've learned from reading a story on our site. So um, we're still determining exactly what the content strategy is. Our launch is um, impending, so stay tuned. But I'm really excited to yeah, work and build a new team. And Yeah. So... Your time at um, Alua, you said, kind of had, in terms of what you learned from the US, was to drive a lot of your own personal kind of brand into the wider mm. brand. Do you think the same strategy will apply here at some level? 
at some level but what I'm really conscious of is that in this instance for this website it's um for men and women so I yeah. can't insert too much of myself in there yeah we even though you're one of the boys <laughs> even though I am one of the boys but um I'm very conscious of the site having a diverse voice and speaking to people of all walks of life so we'll have writers a huge breadth of writers um writing for the site and it won't it won't really be I won't be inserting myself into it in the way that I did it who what where I felt very personally attached to that brand and it really spoke to me and I think that when I look at that brand and who the core reader was I really 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 embodied who that core reader was but this is for a gender neutral audience so I I sure I'm the core reader for the female audience but like I'm not a guy yeah 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 it will be um definitely be a broader voice what part of you do you think you'll bring to it um that's a really interesting question I guess what I'll bring to it is fashion is still my passion and so I'll bring my voice and that's where I consider myself as I can I can say that I'm an expert in that area because I've written about it and worked in that industry for so long so I guess that's where I'll bring my expertise but I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert in everything and can write about everything so that's where we've got some really great writers on board to write across different topics. So going into the fashion industry you as a person that has worked in kind of um what's the words forefronted publications over the last 10 years where do you see the fashion industry going in Australia moving forward? Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely evolving. But, I mean, it always is. If it wasn't evolving, that would be really boring. But I think more and more brands are conscious of what footprint they're leaving behind. I think in terms of brands that I support through my work, I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that this industry contributes so much to landfill so when I think about brands I'm supporting I'm very conscious of whether those brands are contributing in a positive way mm-hmm. or not and that definitely is one of my guiding principles and I'll look to support brands that do stand for the environment um, even in the way that I shop now it's definitely changed in the last few years and I'm very considered I don't make purchases on a whim anymore and I think about what I have in my wardrobe and I think about the brands that I'm shopping from and whether they're making a positive impact or not yeah yeah so I think that the brands that will continue to succeed are the ones that are considering what their footprint is doing and working towards um a more sustainable future so going back to your personal fashion story Mm. or your personal style how do you see that obviously like one of the evolutions is being like a hell of a lot more conscious about how you purchase and how you wear clothes how else do you see your style kind of evolving in the next 10 years I have no idea someone recently asked me my best friend Kate she said what are you going to wear if you have a baby one day yeah and Won't you wear the same thing? Well, I don't <laughs> like know. Like big I don't blue know. dresses. How do, you wear, how do you wear high-waisted jeans when you've got a baby bump? That's true. That's true. Um, so I guess that I don't know. I can't answer that. I guess I have to just see what feels right at the time, and I can't see it changing too much, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, having had two children now, what I will say is that you're halfway there because what you do want after babies and when you're looking after babies and juggling multiple things is you want clothes that are comfortable and that are relaxed but still cool and stylish. So brands like Basic, like mm. meant for mums, you know, because you're moving around so much and... Um, but you still, you still want to feel like yourself and you still want to feel cool or trendy, especially if you've got a love of, pas- of, of fashion or, or just a desire to kind of uh, get dressed up or get dressed well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I reckon you'll nail it. But um, Mandy, thank you for coming and talking to me today and thank you for sharing your style story. To be perfectly honest, Amanda intimidated me from the get-go, almost to the point where I didn't hire her. In a competitive industry, I was sure she was going to want my job and I knew she was more than capable of doing it. This girl knows how to talk the talk and walk the walk, so it's no surprise she has come to embody all that a millennial boss lady is. But there's so much more to Amanda than pure ambition and cool girl style. She's a bit of a nerd with a love of her Greek heritage. Just take a look at her Instagram account. This gives her an approachability and a warmth that makes this boss lady style so likeable.